Good evening and welcome to Spooky South Coast. Wow, I got really close to the microphone there, didn't I? Sorry about that. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Spooky South Coast on during a special primetime slot. And I just ran over and I opened up the blinds here at the Spooky Studio at WBSM. So if anybody wants to come on by and wave and say hi. Uh, Matt, we got any bumper stickers? Not with us. I think I might have a couple in my bag. We have that one. Yeah, we do. We could always replace them. Well, come on by, wave hi, and if we have a bumper sticker, we'll give you one. How's that work? That's good to be. Yeah, because you know we're we're celebrating the big reunion here of the Spooky Crew, all back in the studio together for the first time in like what a month I think. About that. First, uh, Matt Moniz, uh, you were at uh, the Lizzie Borden Bed and Breakfast with Todd Sheets from Night Watch with his Night Watchers group, and uh, we we did a show from there. You and I with Jeff Belandra, uh, and then let's see. Then you were last week. You were at Waverly Hills. Correct. But we weren't here anyway because the Red Sox played a doubleheader. So we didn't actually get to come into the studio, but we did do a podcast-only show, Matt Costa, the silent assassin, who was not so silent that night. Yep. You should talk more. I've been getting emails <laughs> from people saying that you should talk yeah. more. And I, you know, they always accuse me, why don't you let Matt talk more? I said, I always let Matt talk. He just, yeah. He's too busy. You're just so, such a good interviewer. That, and I thought he wanted to live up to his moniker. That's true. That, yeah, that's Well, you only got that moniker it'll, because it'll, you didn't talk. It'll ruin my reputation. That's true. You don't want to do that. But, uh, you know, last week we did have a great show with uh, Joshua Shapiro, the man who calls himself Illinois Shapiro, uh, who was talking with us about his 20 years of research into crystal skulls, which was uh, really fascinating, I thought. I mean, I don't know how much of it, uh, you know, people will be willing to buy into. Even Joshua was saying as he was talking to us, you know, you've you got to suspend belief here. You've got to give me the benefit of the doubt on this. But, you know, there was some really amazing stuff that we talked about. So definitely if you have access to a computer and the Internet, uh, you can go to SpookySouthCoast.com. You can listen to the show right there on our archives. Uh, you can download it for your iPod or your Zune or whatever MP3 player you use or right to your computer. Also, PlanetParanormal.com has all of our shows uploaded as well. And uh, pretty much anywhere you can get a podcast, you can find Spooky South Coast at, at this point, really. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, We're all over the place. We are. You know what it is, though? It's the, the the great work of all of our loyal listeners who, yep. you know, if we're not there, they make sure that they give the feed to the site and make sure that it spreads around. So it's uh, oh. it's, it's quite a little network we've developed. And, uh, indeed. S- indeed. Oh. I want to use that as a lame segue because uh, we did talk about Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull last week. And uh, because we were podcast only, we didn't get to give away tickets to see the movie. And we have two pairs of tickets to give away to see Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. And it took all of our uh, efforts not to use them ourselves. That's true. I did pay to go see the movie myself yesterday. And uh, I'll give you my review of it a little bit later on. But later on, we will give away two pairs of tickets to see Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull at Flagship Cinemas in New Bedford. They were so generous to donate these to us. And uh, we will let you know about a great event they have coming up as well a little bit later on. 
but I will I will give you my my uh, review of Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. And if you've seen the film and you want to call in, you know, we'll save some time at the end to talk about it. But I mean, it, let's just say there's there's a heavy paranormal bent to the story, so it, it fits right in here on Spooky South Coast. But tonight we will be talking to our our guest Alexandra Holzer. Now, Matt Moniz, you've been involved in the paranormal a lot longer than Matt Costa and myself. Uh, so we've we've been coming up in an era, you know, I grew up in the 80s and the 90s where I had access to books by the Warrens, you know, um, books by Brad Steiger, Rosemary Ellen Guiley. I mean, there were a number of prolific authors that were putting out titles in the paranormal, but you're a little bit older than us. And, and back when you were growing up, was there really anybody else to read besides Hans Holzer? No, not really. I mean, at least on the mainstream bookshelves. On the mainstream bookshelves, no. Um, Brad Steiger, of course, but um, those were the two big ones. That would be about it. I mean, I know that because you had a mentor in this field and somebody who could, you know, really lead you in the right direction, he probably had access to materials that you wouldn't have found elsewhere. Right. Uh, he had a, and still does have a great collection of uh, paranormal books. Most of the stuff you can't even find today uh, because him and a good friend of his, Fred Matthews, were involved in a number of parapsychological researches out in California and Chicago and stuff like that. And they have access to private material that wasn't public. So I've had a chance to review and research some of that stuff. Yeah. But still, I can imagine that, you know, as, as a young pup growing up, you uh, went out to the Wareham Library and grabbed Hans Holzer's books and, yeah. and read through them. And what was your impressions of Dr. Holzer in your early days and, and reading of his research? And then what was your impression after you got into the field and started to experience things for yourself? When I was younger, I, I, he was very detailed. He's, uh, if you read any of his material, yeah, you'll, you'll notice he's very detailed, very methodical about the way he writes. Uh, as I started getting into the field itself, I found that you know a lot of his ideas were great, but in going back into further research, looking back into old spirituality stuff, I found that his stuff is just a rehashment of earlier things it, with a new twist and modernized. But, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, you can only go over the same thing so many times without, you know, it sounding repeat, repetitive. Well, uh, we will be talking to his daughter, Alexandra Holzer, who is taking over uh, kind of for her dad. Her dad's uh, getting up there in age. He's almost 90 years old. So. Uh, he's taking a step back a bit, and she's going to be kind of in the forefront carrying on the Holzer name and carrying on the research. And uh, she actually has her first, first book out, Growing Up Haunted, a ghostly memoir. And this is kind of like a, you know, it's it's autobiographical, but at the same time, you also get to learn a great deal about Dr. Holzer, uh, about what the climate was around his work, uh, about his wife, uh, Countess Catherine Buxhovenen. I, I don't want to mispronounce it. I'll let Alexander tell us. Uh, when she comes on. But it's it's a great book. I mean, it really gives you an idea of what it was like to grow up with Dr. Holzer out there in the field and becoming this prominent name uh, in the field of the paranormal and then what it's like to try to carry on that legacy. So we will talk to Alexandra in just a few minutes. And if you'd like to go to her website in advance of that, you can check out hauntingholzer.com, haunting, H-O-L-Z-E-R.com. Matt, you said we have a lot of commercials tonight, huh? We do. How come, do you think? I don't know. Everybody wants to get on this I gravy so. train. That's what it is. <laughs> Spooky South Coast, the number one paranormal radio show on WBSM on Saturday nights. Yep. We blow all the other ones out of the competition. We do. We do. All right, well, why don't we take our first break? When we come back, we will talk to Alexandra Holzer, author of Growing Up Haunted, a ghostly memoir. We'll talk to her about her career in the paranormal as well as her legendary father, and we'll take your calls at 508 996 500 
508-291-0500. We'll be right back with more here on Spooky South Coast. Turn on all your lights, lock the doors, and pull down the shades. Spooky South Coast is back. All right, welcome back to Spooky South Coast. We are here each and every Saturday night, well, for the most part, talking to you about the paranormal. Usually we're on from 10 p.m. to midnight, but we're on at a special primetime slot tonight, not only because the Celtics are coming up uh, Game 3 in Detroit of the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, Celtics pregame coverage starts at 8 p.m. with our friends Sean Grandy and Cedric Maxwell, uh, but also we are on primetime because we have a, a pretty pretty cool guest for you tonight. Uh, as we said at the top of the show, anybody who is knowledgeable about the paranormal knows the name Holzer. If you go into my aunt's house, it's it's kind of funny because um, I, I didn't really know this about my aunt. I'd never really noticed this before. I knew she was interested in the paranormal, but I didn't realize how much. Uh, when you go into her house now, almost every end table or coffee table in the house has a Hans Holzer book on them, which is kind of funny because a lot of them are voluminous. So uh, I said, you know, you're probably doing damage to the furniture by putting some of these books on there. You should maybe get them all on a shelf, but they are all over the house. And uh, we have Alexandra Holzer, his daughter, who is continuing the legacy, joining us tonight. Good evening, Alexandra. Welcome to Spooky South Coast. How are you? Good, and thank you for having me on. It's my pleasure. Oh, I know. We've been trying to set this up for a while, and because of all the sports and everything that goes on here, it's been hard to pull it off. Right. Oh, please. You know, it's meant to be. It'll happen, and it did. So there you go. See? Absolutely. So I I have to ask you first first question. What was it like growing up haunted? Um, It really was, for me, what was considered normal. And I say that because um, I think the paranormal is normal. So, you know, um, if that makes any sense, it was it was growing up in an apartment that was like a museum because my father chased ghosts for a living, you know, and my mother was an artist, and so the two combined really made it very eclectic. And so we were a very uh, creative family, and so anything went, you know. And um, my father was just kind of, you know, um, not very strict, you know, in a lot of ways, but he had his way, and if you didn't do it his way, you know, all mayhem would break loose. So, I mean, ghosts were not the problem. It was my father. So, you know, I, I was in fear of him, but, you know, but uh, seriously, it was it was interesting. It was quite interesting. Well, you know, you mentioned how, you know, Dr. Holzer has things his way, and, you know, that's how he likes, and he doesn't like any deviation from that. Right. And he's he's like that in the paranormal field as well. He is. He He's the one thing I have to say. There's many things, obviously, but the one thing that stands out that I want people to realize, which is one of the main reasons when I when I came into my own awakening of, of where I was supposed to go in life, um, is that he sticks to his guns, his paranormal guns, if you will. He, you know, is not a politician. He will not flip on you, you know. You could vote for him time and time again, he will win, you know. He just, um, he believes what he believes, he did what he did, he continues to still have that belief, and if there's any correction in his ideas or anything that comes out that's new, he, he'll tell you whether or not he thinks, okay, there's more to this, let me go and read up on this and see what that says. He's not going to just, you know, slam the door in that face. But at the same time, he is very old school, very old fashioned, and he did start during a period where um, investigations and science, who had been around for, for a long time, really came to the forefront because he brought it out further into what back then was considered mainstream, meaning bringing it out into, you know, the television and things where there wasn't any cable and making headlines. Mm-hmm. So. 
Well, one thing, and unfortunately the way that the paranormal field is today, you have a lot of people who are jumping with both feet into this pond and they haven't really done the research and read up on you know, some of the figures and information that they should. So a lot of people that are new to the field might not actually be familiar with your father and, oh, yeah. and some of his writings, but yeah. he actually thinks that a lot of what people do today, at least in interviews I've read with him, yeah. uh, he actually thinks it's, it, it's kind of a amateurish to be running into these haunted locations with the different meters and and uh, different technology that we bring into these ghost hunts and and he swears by the idea of bringing along a psychic or sensitive with him right he does and um the the thing of it is some people will look at that and say yeah let's get back to the basics and some people will look at that and say oh no 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 we have to wear two built cell you know filled with gadgets and and dowsing rods and all sorts of things so that we can have all these you know uh, pieces of equipment on us for for data you know, and then some people say, well, why can't we do both? And that's where I sit. Mm -hmm. That's my sense, you know. I, I, you know, he, he's not going to agree with everything. And, and, you know, that's the way life goes in general. You're not, if I go and I do my thing, you're not going to agree with everything that I'm doing either. That's just the way of the world. You can't please everybody. And the paranormal is no different. His whole thing was that there's a respect factor that he feels is missing. He feels that um, because it's become more acceptable, because of cable uh, television, because there's more articles being written up um, versus maybe 10, 15 years ago, um, he feels there's an irresponsibility going on. Now, if you ask him directly, he'd say, you know, you need to learn parapsychology. And he's asked me directly, are you going to study parapsychology in his Austrian accent? I said, no. Why not? He said to me. I said, because I'm not studious. I was horrible at school. That's why I went to art school, Dad. Hello. <laughs> you know, and he'd just be like, well, you're not a ghost hunter. I said, I'm not looking to be. Um, that's where he comes from. He just feels that, you know, there's a lack of understanding of how this works and that you don't walk into a place or somebody's home and say, okay, right away I'm getting an apparition. And it's going to happen because we're filming it or because we want the data and we're impatient and we, only, we can only be here for a few hours. That's not the way it works. And so that, that's really his, his beef with everything. But, you know, he isn't going to agree with everything, and I don't agree with him on everything. Well, I, I mean, being his daughter, I can imagine that you wouldn't, but uh, especially yes. the whole teenage years, you know, that's, that's pretty much what we all go through. But I, I was thinking about it, uh, and before I read, read your book, I mean, having read your father's books and, and knowing of him uh, for many years, I was kind of of the opposite opinion uh, about bringing psychics along. I mean, I'm a, I'm like you are. I yeah. think that they can be brought along as another tool to use. Right. But I just would never rely on what they're saying, and mm -hmm. I I could never understand why your father, who is such a, a smart man and and who has experienced so much, why he would just rely on that. And then when I read your book, I, it kind of came to me. Mm -hmm. The reason why he can do that is because he doesn't need all this extra evidence to prove that there's really something there. Right. He has faith that it's happening, and, and his word, at least to his readers, is good enough. Right. And the fact that, you know, back in the, in the 50s, they had, you know, what he used was a tape recorder and a basic uh, camera. They had Polaroids, too. And you really couldn't doctor much of anything. There wasn't Photoshop. There wasn't anything like that. So you're, you're dealing with the bare minimum there. And he went out with, with top mediums in the field, mind you. These, these were very credible people. They were very, very old, like ancient. Not like mummy ancient, but let's just say they've had years of experience. And they've worked on, like, hundreds of cases and cold cases and all sorts of things. They really worked hard to helping solve these cases for people and helping find loved ones and helping people cross over and just dealing with situations where nobody else would. 
that's who he was. And that's really what he was about. And he, he came up with the same information that you can pretty much find today. And also what you're saying, which is true, is that he also has the faith and the experience himself to know, because we've all experienced things in our family, to know that there are things in life that happen that are bigger than us, including things that are in our galaxy that we can't explain, things that are in our ocean beds that are still yet to be discovered. We are really tiny, and until we get a, a grasp on reality that there are things that are out of our control that we're not going to understand everything, we have to be more in acceptance of our life path and where we come from and where we're going and where we came from, and just be okay with it and stop looking to have a quick fix and an answer because it doesn't work that way. You know, it's, it's almost like if you had that crystal ball, you'd be winning the lottery tickets and, and, and making money and stuff. This is no different. And so his whole message to people, starting from the 50s, you know, when he was really out and doing this, and it got really, really um, moving in the 60s when he had support from Eileen Garrett, who ran a, a parapsychology foundation in New York City, who supported my father and pushed him into writing his very first book called The Ghost Hunter. He coined that phrase. That came from him you know, um, was a, a respect of human life and to value your own life and to understand that when you go, it's okay. That if you were a good person, you will cross well and there will be those to help pull you across. You will be okay. And life goes on. And it wasn't so much focused on the bad things and, and demons and things because he doesn't believe in that. It was more about spirituality and anything that was evil or harmful. You know, he, he didn't, you know, nothing scared him. He'd fight it, you know, like with Amityville. It did not scare him one bit to walk into that house knowing the impressions that were left there after those murders. didn't bother him. He was more angry at the fact that he wanted to get to the bottom of what happened and why, because he believed that it was the Indian chief. And so that was his passion, but nothing ever... He thinks, what's fear? Fear is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, it's interesting because Amityville is one of the cases that uh, he's he's most associated with, and, and it is kind of strange that his theories and beliefs on it were kind of buried for a while because people were going to the Jay Anson book and they were yep. going to the films based on the Jay Anson book and they yep. weren't really paying attention to the entire story. Exactly, which was the investigation and also that there are claims that are coming out in the past year, oh, the investigation was botched with the police department. You know what? That might be true. Mm -hmm. These things happen in life. Things resurface. You know, it's been 30 plus years now, but you know, there's a respect factor, and that's why I go back to that word with him. You know, um, everybody's entitled to what they believe, but he was there. He was there. And he, he, you know, people were like, oh, claim to fame, writing books, you know. There, it wasn't about money, because let me tell you something. Personally, coming from one of the daughters, because there's two of us, as you know, mm -hmm. there, there was not much money from this. If anything, it was more heartache and headache in our house during those times when he went out and he worked on that case than anything else. Because it got worse from that point on. And a lot of stuff I do leave out in the book because it was just really painful. And the fact that people were murdered, and it took me half my life to understand that case because I, I didn't get it, you know? Well, was there some vindication for your father, at least when the, when the updated version of the film came out a few years ago and they actually brought his theories into that a little bit? Was there some... Yeah, um, he thought it was interesting. You know, my father, it, it take, it's really hard to impress him. He is a tough cookie. Um, he'll sit there and he'll do that eyeball thing and he'll raise his thick, you know, uh, bushy eyebrow to the right up real high like, you know, Dr. Spock, and he'll kind of look over and be like, mm-hmm, that's interesting, very interesting. Okay, we'll see, you know. He he doesn't buy things that quickly. He, he has to let it absorb. And I think 
the way knowing him that that was his way of saying okay not bad all right well uh, we are talking with Alexandra Holzer, author of Growing Up Haunted, a ghostly memoir. And uh, if you would like to call in with a question, 508-996-0500, And we have a call on the line here. Okay. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast with Alexandra Holzer. How are you doing? Okay. I guess they got nervous. Uh-oh. Ghosts must have come in and scared them off. Perhaps. It happens all the time here. Yeah. Well, I'd like to take a step back to, to something that you said uh, a few minutes ago uh, when your father asked you if you were studying parapsychology and he asked you how you could call yourself a ghost hunter. Right. And you said that you don't want to call yourself that. What right. is it that you want to be known as in the paranormal field? Um, I, You know, I, I really don't. I just want to be Alexandra Holzer because, you know, what people don't understand if they haven't read the book is I, I'm publishing under his name because he never had any sons, and we had this conversation when I was a teenager, and I had asked him a question. I was a very inquisitive child. I'm a typical Aries. We need to know everything. And I said, you know, I said, you know, did you want any boys, Daddy? And he looked down, and he goes, of course I wanted a boy, but I had two beautiful daughters, and I'm just as happy. And for some reason, you know, when some things stick with you as a kid and others don't, that stuck with me. And here I am, you know, four years into this, and I, I knew when I published my first book, you know, I said, it's got to be Holzer. It's not my married name. It's got to be Holzer. And so um, I kind of feel like I, I, I need to continue his name to bring back respect to the field just because alone it's exploded, because we are such in a modern society, and it's important to, to have the youth that are growing up that don't know him to reintroduce who he is to them as like a history lesson, as if I was a professor for them, and it's my job to do that it's my job to teach them whether they want to hear it or not that's their choice but there are people that want to hear it and so that's what i'm doing as far as what i want to be known as i don't know i've written my own show from the days of in search of i've gone back to my roots i've come up with something completely creative and unique because that's what i do i'm a writer i'm an artist i've done acting so it's it's inherent so when you see all this stuff going on with tv shows people are like yeah 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 dime a dozen true it's even harder today to do that now and here I am trying to do it, and I'm, I'm cuckoo for doing it. But I've actually gotten through the process, and now I'm moving forward. And I, you know, I, see, I don't care what people think. I appreciate what people say, whether it's negative or positive. They have that right, just like I have that right. And, you know, I just wish everybody well and keep on trucking. So I don't know. People will call me all different things, hopefully not any bad names. But, you know. Well, I mean, we're talking about the paranormal field here. We did an episode just a few weeks ago yeah. about, you know, how junior high is the paranormal. It's kind of a yearly thing that we do here, and, and it becomes one of our biggest downloaded shows because everybody gloms onto that, you know, the controversy factor of everything that's going on in this field. Right. Oh, yeah. And, you know, you talked about the negative. So, I mean, I, I want to ask you one thing about that, and that's a, a lot of people who are in this field uh, will see, you know, all of a sudden you're coming to the forefront here. Right. Uh, and you're stepping into your, your father's shoes almost here to, to carry on the holder name. And they're saying, you know, who is she? She's coming exactly. out of nowhere. What kind of experience does she have? All of a sudden, you know, she's out there, and she's got her face and her name out there, and she really hasn't, quote-unquote, paid the dues that we have. Well, I mean, that's what they, Yeah, well, that's what they think. They don't exactly. know me, and they don't know what I've done. I don't, I don't commercialize what I do. I, you know, I write monthly columns. I help people. You know, people write in all the time. I have four children. My oldest is only nine. That in itself is a full-time job and mm -hmm. keeping up houses and, and cleaning and shopping and all the stuff that goes along with being a human being. I do everything. I don't have help. I don't ask for help. Uh, my husband works. He works hard. He works far away. This is life. This is the way it goes. And I didn't ask for this to, to happen, but, 
you know, in life things happen, our path changes, and I said, oh, my God, something happened, and it woke me up, and, and that's my personal story, and, you know, I, I took four years to get to this point. That's not exactly quick in my book, and being an Aries is certainly a very long time for me, and the fact that I can write really well, and I can write for TV, and that I have all these abilities, a lot of people are going to look at that and either be jealous, competitive, whatever, a lot, you know, people are out there investigating, that's great, but I'm above certain points in my life where it's not just about going on cases which I do privately and personally and that's my prerogative mm -hmm. to help people not for filming you know I mean if I'm gonna film it's because it's something that I've written that I've gotten producers involved with because they believe in that vision and I've got something really good to sell it's a product it's gonna affect people that's my job and it's gonna spiral from there and again you're not gonna have everybody is not gonna love you you're gonna have people that like you hate you somewhere in between don't know what to think of you as is anything in life, this field is no different than, you know, the corporate world and going to work and being in marketing or sales or food services. It doesn't matter. I mean, a lot of people are, you know, like I said, you know, they just create controversy where they feel there needs to be sure. some. And so what it looks like to a lot of people is, you know, all of a sudden the paranormal is exploding into pop culture. It's becoming popular. And now all of a sudden Hans Holzer's daughter is getting involved in it. And, it, to, you know, they're just not really paying attention to, to what's going on. Sometimes, you know, uh, your father was still very active. He's still writing books now, isn't he? He actually, he and I published together. We worked together. He's 88 years old. And, what, you know, and this is another thing that really pisses me off. As you get older in life, it gets harder. And, you know, um, when, you're, when you're consistent in your work, that's rare, especially nowadays with our, with our youth. It's really important for them to know a Hans Holzer because he's always been consistent. He sticks his guns. You know, he did what he said he was going to do. And um, we came up with this thing where I said, let's write his father and daughter. So, you know, together I came out with my book with Schiffer Publishing, which is their first memoir. So they had no clue what was, was going to happen with this one. And with his book called The Spirit Connection, which is a really good light reader for, for the younger generation, because I asked him, please, put something together for the, you know, the teens and the 20-something-year-olds that don't know you. And with my, my youth and my small, small, tiny five-person fan base, maybe we'll grow from there and re-educate people so that they are getting everything that they can get from what's out there now, what's been out there for the past few years, and what's been out there you know, 50 years ago. See, I mean, and that's just the way that it, it looks to, to me. It's a matter of, you know, your father was so prolific and he was, you know, quote unquote, getting the job done for so many years. Yep. And now it just so happens that this is the time where you need to kind of step in and, and carry on that legacy. So, you know, George Bush that we have now didn't run for president against his own father. Right. You know, it was kind of you, when it was your time, you stepped in and, and the same right. thing with yourself. It's, I it's think. the same thing. And you know what? This is just as political because like you stated it's it's more like with the mainstream but you know we're really not there yet we're not as mainstream as people think i mean that's another thing i mean if you if you look at the major networks you've got the ghost whisperer you've got there's another show called the supernatural um medium okay those are major network shows but those are script written shows but they're based on true stories but those are okay to have as major prime time shows but when you look at the great shows that are out there like ghost hunters and the other shows that are, are doing their own thing or, you know, kind of pushed towards, like, cable TV, which is just as good because actually cable, well, you know, with the writer's strike and everything, but they had a, a chance to shine as well. And so I kind of think we're all blending now. You know, I think it's not so much network versus just, you know, the cable channels. I think there's a recognition there. But comes with that is competition and politics. 
And that's what I'm up against. So in my father's time, he didn't have that. He, he created this. He created the platform of going on TV and being interviewed by guys in suits saying, so, Dr. Hans Holzer, you say you've got a picture of an apparition there. Can you show it up to the cameraman so our viewers can see? I mean, this is what it was like. And, and he took the bullets so that he people did. today didn't he, have to take them. He did, constantly. He was shot down, lifted up, praised, put down, you name it. And he could care less. He was doing what he knew was the right thing because he had a calling from another source. And, you know, I don't know what that source was, you know, but it was, it was from a higher place from where he came from. And he believed and he knew. And he had supporters that helped him reach that goal. And he never hurt anybody. He was always helping people. I mean... In our life, people would come over. If they were an actor, actress, author, didn't matter. They'd come over, he'd feed them. What can I get you? What can I do for you? Sit down. Didn't matter if he was in the middle of writing a book. Didn't matter. You know, and you mentioned uh, how it's not exactly mainstream yet, and that I think a lot of people get confused and they think that it is because right. it's so much a part of their everyday life right. that they see it all around them and it kind of envelops them, so they think it's part of everybody's life. Sure. But, and Ghost Hunters does huge numbers yeah. on a niche network. Yeah, they do. They do great. They so, do great. They, they I mean, hit it at a great time, and they evolved from there, and they did great. But you're doing those type of numbers to an audience that's geared toward that type of programming anyway. I mean, if you put Ghost Hunters on a major network, it might not fare as well because they're right. looking for, for much bigger numbers. Right. But and, and that kind of atmosphere is what creates a lot of this competition more so than anything is the fact that it's it's still a relatively small pond and it's so easy to become a big fish in that pond Correct. You know, just by self-promotion. Correct. And, but at the same time, if you don't self-promote, then how are you ever going to get the word well, out? But that's the old adage. It's like, you know, I, how do I get the job without the experience, and how do I get the experience without the job? Mm -hmm. and, and that's it's pretty much what it is. With my father, he created something that wasn't there yet. So it was almost like the pressure wasn't there because he just did it, and it was accepted, and he kept going, and he had the support. Now getting the support when you write your own show and you're, you're pitching it to producers in Hollywood, it becomes political and it becomes where you have to fight for every ounce inside of you of your passion as to why this show why you will make a difference and it is not fame and fortune it is not viewership it has to do with that you know that this is going to change things you know that this is going to shake up things and that you're going to stir the pot see i like that i like stirring the pot i like controversy i like people coming at me and asking questions i think that's healthy Sure, absolutely, and we think it is because that's what we do here. <laughs> well, exactly, you know. But, so. you know, and I, I will say this, uh, and anybody that wants to criticize anybody who, and I'm not saying that you did, but anybody who wants to criticize someone who uses their family name or, or right. their family connections to get their foot in the door, I don't blame people for that. Right. What I blame them for is once their foot is in the door, if they don't do anything, that's worth them staying in the room. Right. And that's, well, that's, you that's have, the difference. Again, respect factor. You know, Stephen King's son... Um, started writing and he didn't use his father's last name because he didn't want to be associated but yet he took all the the, the pr along with it and and people knew and and so somehow it came out anyway people have to be very leery of how things work and it, it, it becomes hollywood or should i say holly weird there is a way to market yourself where people think you're you're so noble and gallant because you're not carrying on from off of a name that's very well known and look you used your other name but then yet somehow people found out. This is, this is very smart PRing, and, and so that's what happens in this world. I mean, you have to be really careful and leery of, of what goes on and just, just not take it personally and know that it's that person's right, and it's their right. If they have an opportunity to do, do something and it's, and it's making people happy or you're contributing in some way, 
that's fine. As far as writing books, it's the content, you know. This book, Growing Up Haunted, the content is more than just about my father. It's about my mother. It's about their parents. Mm -hmm. And I felt like good for me because it wasn't harping on my father's legacy of just ghost hunting. No, because, not, you know, not, it, that's what people wanted. They All they want is a ghost book, and I wasn't going to do it. And you know what? If it's not a bestseller, fine. No problem, you know? Well, and another thing I'll ask you, too, and uh, again, you know, anybody that wants to say that you were using your father's name to get your foot in the door... Uh, when, when you went and pitched a lot of these shows that you've been been working on, yep. how many of these Hollywood producers of today said to you, "Oh yes, Dr. Hans Holzer, I know exactly who you're talking about." None. Uh, exactly. I mean, in that type of field, you know, they're just looking for, "Oh, the paranormal's big right now." Well, let's yep. develop a show about the paranormal. They're not seasoned investigators, researchers, right. documentarians. You know, they're just trying to jump onto a a craze. It's a money. It's a it's a money change. And you know, I mean, and, and and so that's my point is like it's so much harder for for me because I'm not just the host of something. I'm not part of a team. I'm the writer. I'm the visionary. It's my job to convince the producer to believe in me to take it to the next level, which is production, and then to have production actually become pre-production and then actually distribution. There's a process, and you know, it, it's very frustrating because when you think something's going to go one way, it veers another way. And my point is, this is life. This is no different than anything trying to get that job you're up for, having to get a new car, but you can't, you know. I mean, there's all sorts of things that happen, you know. But the, the thing that worries me is the health of my children and my family, and that's really all I care about. So I put it all in perspective. Yeah, I'm going to keep going with my projects, but I stopped to a dead stop. If somebody is sick, I don't do radio, I don't write, I do nothing until that person's okay. I mean, it's just I'm trying to make people aware of their own um, mortality, if you will, and that's kind of where my father comes from, that, you know what, you're not here forever, make the best of it, and maybe you'll get lucky and come back again and do it better. Maybe you're done. Maybe you're even luckier and you're finished and you could just continue on to the next realm and have a good party, you know. Mm -hmm. Go talk to Elvis. He's, he's around, believe me. Well, we have to take a, a quick break here, but one question I want to ask you before we go into the break now is it says uh, on your website, hauntingholzer.com, yep. that there's actually a documentary filmmaker looking into the story of growing up haunted mm -hmm. and that you already know who you'd want to play your father. Well, it, it can't yeah. be Darren McGavin, unfortunately, <laughs> because yeah, he's no longer funny. with us. Yeah, no, no. I wish I... God, he was so great. He was such a funny man. God bless him. Um, it's Joaquin Phoenix, and I've met a couple of people that know him, but I have yet to meet this guy. So I almost feel like if I meet him, that's a miracle. Well, you also know that he's a method actor. He is. No, really, he is. So if, if he is to play your father, it's going to be like living with your father all over I, again well, when you're on set. he reminds me of my father, and, and I get impressions, so I feel like with the veganism and the whole thing with animals and, and the you know eccentric way of life and just the weird way of things, yeah, it would be pretty much like a young version of my father. Well, I'd, I'd definitely pay money to go see that film. Cool. All right. Well, why don't we take a break, and when we come back, we'll talk more with Alexandra Holzer. And we'll talk more about her book, Growing Up Haunted, and what it was like to grow up haunted. We'll be right back with more here on Spooky South Coast. Welcome back to Spooky South Coast. That, of course, is the uh, soothing tones of Blue Oyster Cult. And Matt Moniz, uh, the big news about Blue Oyster Cult, 
Yeah, I got them to play Tapscon. Yeah, they're friends of mine. But they're playing under a different name. Is that is that yeah, how it works? Yeah, uh, Underbellies. That's that's their um, stage name that they use uh, when they're not doing the big tours. But it still is Blue Oyster Cult. Yes. And they'll still be playing all the classic hits. You got it. All right. So there's another reason to buy tickets to tap uh, tickets to Tapscon. Uh, can you think of another reason, Alexandra, why people could go to Tapscon? Uh, let me think real hard here. Wait, wait, it's coming to me. This must be the mediumship part of my family. Wait. Oh, I'm going to be there. There you go. See that? And you'll you'll get a chance to meet science advisor Matt Moniz in person there. He'll, he'll I, be the one hanging yeah. out with Robert the doll. Oh, goody. I'll stay far away. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> what, yeah, because of me or the doll? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's a good point, Moniz. You don't know. But uh, I mean, that should be a great uh, a great event coming up uh, at the end of July. Oh yeah, it's um, uh, Nancy who's you know coordinating everything, and they have you know Tap Family Radio, and she's going to have me back on three days before we fly out because we're flying as a family. Like my father, we travel as a family. Um, when we got older, he took us all together. You know, um, cause my sister and I were eight years apart, so that was kind of like an odd thing. But um, I'm doing it with four kids and a husband, so it's the fifth kid and the Shih Tzu we rescued. So it's six kids, yeah, and me that's seven. Um, I believe in that. You know, I want everybody together while I go and do things like this. So I'm I'm excited to meet everybody and, and give big hugs to everybody, my extended paranormal family. So, so how do you balance uh, when you bring your family down to something like that, you know, participating in the conference but still being able to spend time with your family? Or yep. are you just going to give them, you know, the time off to go do what they want to do and then you'll do the conference? Right. Um, I, I orchestrate it. I go back to talking about being a typical Aries, and some people believe in astrology and birth signs, and some people don't. Some people have an idea of what it is. For me, I, I, I really am true to my birth sign, and I've read up on the whole thing, and I've read my father's books on and other people's books that have written on astrology, and I've met astrologists and been read and stuff. Um, I'm very organized that way. You know, I'm extremely, not just personality-wise, um, it's my trait. It's, it's a character trait, and I plan ahead for the children, I plan ahead for my fifth child, my husband, and I make sure that everybody gets what they need. So then when I need to go off and I need to speak and, and sign things and books and talk to people and just, and just be the loving person I want to be to give back to people and touch their face and know that I appreciate them as much as they say they appreciate me, um, I have activities planned for them. So I know that I don't have to worry that they'll be okay, but deep down inside I'll worry because it's not me doing it. Mm -hmm. That's the control factor I have an issue with. That That's the part where I become like my father. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask you, I mean, did, do you feel that in his own way that you had that type of relationship with your father growing up, that even though he was you know, traveling the world and writing these books, that he was still there and still a, a big part of your life? Yeah, I do, because um, there were times where we couldn't go, and I knew he was out in California, and I knew he was filming, and I knew he was researching, and you know, um, I kind of felt like, you know, it was, you know, it was hard to, to understand because it was, it became normal. It's like, you know, well, daddy's gone because he's working, but he'll be back. So it was like, a, it was just his job. It wasn't really explained until later on when I was a teenager. And at that point, I could care less. I was going to, you know, art school. I was more into that range of things. And my mother was the artist, so I kind of clicked more with her, believe it or not, more than him. He, you know, when my parents got divorced, um, I ended up staying with him because it was just, you know, the best decision being that I was, you know, in school in the city and college and everything. Mm -hmm. I, I still didn't really want to take an interest in, in the field of, you know, paranormal and, and being scientific and, and research and things. And he'd have his friends over that, you know, were, you know, witches, and but not in the sense of the word witch. They just, that was their religion. And there was a lot of mediums and, and again, actresses and stuff, uh, mostly women, by the way, at our home for him, mostly women that were half his age and very, 
very uh, nicely filled out, shall we say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was just the the interesting part of it. But I, you know, um, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> well, that's usually what happens with me when somebody mentions filled out women. But. <laughs> hey, now, that's my mother, and you've read the book. And, and yes, for I people have. don't know, my mother, when I said my father, the book's tagline I came up with was, my father chased ghosts for a living, my mother chased the women, and my sister chased the volleyball demon, because my mother uh, was gay and, you know, had her thing going on during the, the marriage. My father was doing the ghost thing, and my sister was a volleyball fanatic. She had She was a closet case volleyball fanatic where she had a bazillion volleyballs in the room. She played on every single sports team. She made the, she made the um, New York State Empire Games, which was a pretty big deal mm-hmm. in New York, and she could have gone all pro. So, But those were her demons. She couldn't let the volleyball go. And then she got married, and she married a guy that was also into volleyball. So it was just like a hell. It was a living hell. <laughs> and I, I'm guessing you probably don't play very much volleyball yourself. Oh, honey, I, I'm not. I The way I, my husband says you run like such a girl. I'm like, that is so chauvinistic. Shame on you. I'm very feminine. There's a difference. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we are coming up on the news, uh, and when when we come back, we'll we'll talk more uh, about the um, growing up haunted, about what it was like growing up uh, in your house and, uh-huh. and having the experiences that you had. But this is kind of a loaded question for you with only two minutes before the news break here, sure. but was there ever a, par- uh, a time in your life when you said, boy, I really wish this wasn't what my dad did for a living? Yeah, uh, when I when I hit school around uh, grade uh, five and six, when my my mother would wrap up books and give them to me to give to the teachers around Christmas time as gifts, and they'd open it up and you'd see the big title, ghosts and other things, and and life after you know life beyond life, and people look at me like, huh? I'm like, I'm out of here, folks. <laughs> hey, yeah. I'm just dropping off the gift. My mom wrapped it. Yeah, that's I blamed her, and they thought that she was the cuckoo bird. I'm like, that's not my dad. No, 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 no. That's not my dad. Another author. Yeah. <laughs> it just happens to be the same name. Yeah, right, exactly. It's a coincidence, you know. But like, I don't play the flute either, so <laughs> it just happens to be the same name. That's right. All right, well, we are coming up on the news. When we come back, we will talk more with Alexandra Holzer. And if you'd like to join in on the discussion, you can. 508-996-0500, 508-291-0500. And when we come back, we will do our new segment, The Week in Weird, and then we will uh, talk to more about Alexandra. And I will give away those pairs of tickets to see Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Matt, do you want to do the indie trivia? Or should that is that what we should do? Because we, we put it in the podcast last week. I don't know. We could. We could. Nobody's answered them yet, so maybe that's what we'll do. So stay tuned. We'll be right back with more in just a little bit here on Spooky South Coast. Lost civilizations, extraterrestrials, myths and monsters, missing persons, magic and witchcraft, unexplained phenomena. For 58 years, Fate has provided true reports of the strange and unknown. Fate is a factual magazine containing articles by experts in all walks of life and by others just like you who have had something dynamic, significant, and truthful to say. Keep up with the latest on all aspects of the paranormal. Angels and miracles, psychic phenomena, ghosts, UFOs, and much, much more. To subscribe, call now at 1-800-728-2730 or visit their website at fatemag.com. That's 1-800-728-2730 or www.fatemag.com. What are you waiting for? Your fate awaits. 
What's going to happen to me? What's going to happen to me? Spooky Soap. Welcome back. Hour number two of Spooky South Coast. And for those who are just hearing us for the first time, we are here each and every Saturday night, usually from 10 to midnight, where we talk about all things strange and unusual, the world of the paranormal. And if you ever missed a show or you want to check out some of our past shows, just go to SpookySouthCoast.com. You can download podcasts there. Uh, you can listen to streaming audio right there. You can listen to the show live. Maybe you listen to us on podcasts and you didn't realize that Saturday night's from 10 to midnight. If you just go to SpookySouthCoast.com, you can hear us live, and pretty soon, Matt Moniz, people are actually going to be able to see us. So uh, let, let's just see who this is real quick. Good evening, you're on Spooky South Coast. Hello? Hello? Hi, who's this? Um, you got someone named Bartolo. Do I know someone named Bartolo? No, you got someone named Bartolo. Was in your family? No, why? Um... My friend Marshall was telling me that that was the number, so, well, I think I got mixed up. I think it's 506 or 50100, she said. Okay, well, um, you're actually on a radio show right now, so. Huh? You're live on the radio right now. You, you call the radio station. Welcome to Spooky South Coast. Yeah, how you doing? Show. You ever seen a ghost? <laughs> <laughs> Matt, from now on, don't answer the VIP line, okay? From now on, we just make calls in the VIP line. Oh, you got to love it. Anyway, what was I saying? Okay, people people can hear us a variety of different ways, Science Advisor Matt Moniz, but coming up in a couple of weeks, they'll actually be able to see our ugly mugs coming up here. Uh, we're going to be on TV. Oh, yeah, we are. Uh, we'll be on... The History Channel, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Gives us a little bit of credibility and respectability, huh? What do they know? Or is that it's going to bring down the credibility? Uh, yeah, we just took down the whole History Channel in one fell swoop. But no, we're actually going to be on an episode of Monster Quest. Uh, the, it's called Monster Quest Ghosts. And that's really all we can tell you for right now. Uh, we will tell you what happened uh, at a famous uh, double murder site not too far from the Spooky Studio here. Uh, we'll, we'll go that far. A place that we talk about quite often here on Spooky South Coast. But um, it'll air June 11th from 9 to 10 p.m. on the History Channel. And definitely check it out. I mean, it, uh, we'll be involved. Jeff Belanger's involved. A, a couple of great investigators who t actually conduct an investigation for the program. Uh, so you want you want to check it out because it's going to be a little bit different than what you've normally seen and heard uh, about the goings on at this location. Uh, let's just say it's a nice place to spend the night. Yeah, yeah. and not just because of the ghosts. So there you go. June eleventh, nine to ten p.m. on the History Channel. You'll get to actually see what Matt Moniz looks like in person. You'll get to see him walking out of a building and everything. It's fascinating. 
<laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It's going to be a great show. We're actually going to have trailers for it on our website as soon as the History Channel makes them available to us. But there's just a few other events we want to make you aware of. Uh, coming up next Friday night at the Cape and Islands Paranormal Research Society's uh, Paranormal Lecture Series, guest speaker Jeff Belanger, or Belanger, or Belanger, or Bellinger, however you want to pronounce it. He doesn't care as long as you buy his book. Jeff, Bel <laughs> Jeff Belanger will be presenting Weird Massachusetts. Uh, it's his latest book. He'll take you through the weird, unusual, haunted, and even cursed aspects of the Bay State. From devils and monsters to Native American legends, Massachusetts is full of history, oddities, and folklore that will make you laugh, shake with fright, or simply scratch your head. And Jeff will make you scratch your head because he has head lice. Jeff will have copies. <laughs> i got to get these little digs in him here when he's not here, you know? Jeff will have copies of the book for purchase, and he will give you his personal touch by signing them. He's going to light me on fire at the barbecue. Weird, Massachusetts, April 25th, 2008, Lecture Hall A at Cape Cod Community College in Barnstable. 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. is the time. The cost is free, but donations are always appreciated, and they are highly recommended and expected from the Spooky Crew. We want you to give a little bit to the Cape and Islands Paranormal Research Society for the great paranormal lecture series they put on each and every month. Uh, also, Jeff Belanger will be appearing in Braintree at Open Doors. He'll uh, tell about some of his tales experience, uh, exploring the world of the paranormal and the research that he's done. Expect to laugh, expect to be intrigued, expect to have fun, and just go to opendoors7.com, opendoors7.com. If you want to find out about the Capers event, go to capers.com, C-A-I-P-R-S.com. One more event to tell you about uh, before we get into the Week and Weird. Kristen Gartland of TAPS and Ghost Hunters presents a very special night on Saturday, June 21st, 2008, at 7 p.m. Eastern at the Sons of Italy on Falmouth Road in Catuit, Mass. It's a special night of food, drink, and music played by the ever-awesome band Seven. There will be several awesome raffles to benefit the Independence House in Hyannis. Funds will go to those in domestic violence situations. The Independence House has been helping victims since 1979, providing shelter, child care, and counseling. And the volunteers there really rely on donations to keep the shelter going. So if you want to find out more about the Independence House, you can go to their website, independencehouse.com. If you want to find out more about this event, you can go to S-E-V-E-N-A-N-D-K-R-I-S-T-Y-N-G-A-R-T-L-A-N-D-E-V-E-N-T-B-R-I-T-E.com. You know, Kristen, just ask John Horrigan to buy you a URL. <laughs> <laughs> He's got enough of them. He probably already has one for you. But, uh, no, absolutely, definitely go and check that out. We'll put a link up right on the front page of SpookySouthCoast.com to make it easier for people. But uh, they're going to have a raffle there, and they'll be signed Ghost Hunters cast photos, signed merchandise from famous sports teams, uh, Boston Militia sweatshirt and T-shirt, and our bone basket of goodies, and win a night co-hosting Spooky South Coast. So we're also going to throw in a Spooky South Coast T-shirt, too, as well, to the winner of that raffle. Let's throw in some bumper stickers and some Absolutely. pens. Uh, well, we're gonna bring we're gonna have some down there anyway, so everybody that goes there can get one. And it's a worthwhile cause. Absolutely, absolutely. And I, 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 we highly recommend that you buy a ticket. Again, they're twenty five dollars. Go to seven and Kristen Gartland at event dot eventbrite dot com to find out more. And Kristen's gonna be joining us in a couple of weeks to help promote the event as well. So. That is coming up. Make sure you mark your calendar. We might even be broadcasting live from there. We have to go check out the location and see, you know, if they have the facilities large enough to uh, accommodate our mobile production studio. We all we need is a phone booth. What, what basically what we need is an internet connection and a power outlet. But it's the Sons of Italy, so we don't know. We don't know how they do things over in Italy. 
All right, let's get a little weird here. More bad news. Well, I got a great show for you today with some wonderful weird stuff. I feel, I feel so very weird. <laughs> The Week in Weird. All right, and our first story comes from NewScientist.com, and it was given to us by Jim D. on the message board. Thank you, Jim. You always give us great stories up on the Week in Weird thread on the forum at SpookySouthCoast.com, and this one is uh, no exception to that. The sight of small blonde girls watching television is guaranteed to strike fear into the heart of anyone who has watched the movie Poltergeist. And we're right to be terrified, say physicists. Children generate poltergeist activity by channeling energy into the quantum mechanical vacuum. Piero Brovetto, whose last known address was the Instituto Fisi, a pretty important place in, uh, in Italy, and his colleague Vera Maxia wanted to explain the origin of poltergeist phenomena characterized by objects flying around the room of their own accord. The researchers note that poltergeist encounters have been reported around the world and across different cultures, but tend to have one thing in common. Poltergeist disturbances often occur in the neighborhood of a pubescent child or young woman, the authors note in their paper. So Brovetto and Maxia have come up with a mechanism to explain just how these women and children create such havoc. Like so many problems that arise in adolescence, puberty gets the blame. Puberty is a modification of the child body which involves various organs, chiefly the brain, they state. They hypothesize that the changes in the brain that occur at puberty involve fluctuations in electron activity that, in some rare cases, can create disturbances up to a few feet around the outside of the brain. These disturbances would be similar in character to the quantum mechanical fluctuations that physicists believe occur in a vacuum, in which virtual particle and antiparticle pairs pop up for a fleeting moment before they annihilate each other and disappear again. The two scientists believe that the extra fluctuations triggered by the pubescent brain would substantially enhance the presence of the virtual particles surrounding the person. This could slowly increase the pressure of air around them, moving objects, and even sending them hurtling across the room. The Poltergeist paper will appear in the journal Neuroquantology, and uh, new scientists contacted Brian Josephson, a Nobel laureate physicist, who is on the editorial board of Neuroquantology, and uh, he said, this looks distinctly flaky, flaky to me. And I've, I've actually corresponded with uh, Dr. Josephson myself, and if he's calling it flaky, I go by what he says. Matt Moniz, you're a scientist. You know more about this kind of stuff than I do. What do you think? Uh... I'm going to go with flaky as well. Okay. So you and Dr. Josephson are of like mind. Well, yeah. not How many Nobel Prizes do you have? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you just haven't picked yours up yet. It's a long way to Stockholm. <laughs> no, well, he's not completely wrong. I, I mean, everybody's been theorizing, you know, it is a mental energy that's causing these, you know, whether it's antiparticles or not you know mm -hmm. we we don't really know it, it, it's a matter of sitting down and taking the appropriate measurements but these things happen so rare having the right equipment having but, all of that there it, by that same token being someone who uh has experienced paran true paranormal phenomena and been around it and and recorded or, or, it yeah. let's say not paranormal phenomena because i think even this if it was the child's brain would be considered paranormal but Ghost phenomena, actual spiritual presence and manipulation, you know, of physical objects. And, how can can know. can we take that away from these cases, or could that also still be what's going on? 
I have a feeling that the two are related. I think what it is is the, the child is able to tap into that energy that people from beyond are using to or, manipulate if they if the people from beyond are actually there manipulating these things. Or maybe it's vice versa. Maybe those who have passed on are using the extra energy be given off by the pubescent brain. That's one other theory. Now, unfortunately, we we need to study this more. That's what we call circular logic. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Matt Costa, what do you have for us? All right, from the uh, United Press in Frankfurt, Germany. A, a German scientist has proven that people forced to smile and take on a job of insults suffer more and long la longer lasting stress that may cause harm to their health. Tell me about it. <laughs> um, Dieter Zaff of Johann Wolfgang Goff University in Frankfurt studied 4,000 volunteers who worked in a fake call center. Half were allowed to respond in a kind in kind to abuse on on the other on the other other end of the line, <clears throat> while the other half half had to suck it up. He found that those who were able to answer back had a brief increase in heart rate. Those who could not had stress symptoms that lasted much longer. Every time a person is forced to repress his true feelings, there are negative consequences. We are all able to rein in our emotions, but it becomes difficult to do to do this over a pro protracted period. In an interview with uh, with a German healthcare magazine, Zaff suggested that people who must who must keep smiling on the job should get regular breaks to let it all out. That's it. All right. Well, first of all, the first thing I want to say is the the day job, one of my many jobs, the day job that we share. I want you to hang that on our boss's <laughs> bulletin board. I was going to put it on his desk. Perfect. That's the first thing. And the second thing is, so do I now have permission to, every time I see somebody with a T-shirt with the picture of the bear that says Grin and Barrett, can I punch him right in the face? <laughs> right in the gut. Right in the gut. Right in the bear. Right in the bear. <laughs> as long as you're grinning when you do it. Grin and Barrett. <laughs> I'm an angry person by nature, and I love being angry. Sounds like you have a case of the Mondays. I do. I <laughs> How do I spell relief? W-E-E-K-E-N-D. No, I, I, love, uh, I love being angry. I love being able to yell and scream at people and... You know, it, it makes me feel good. It makes me feel better about myself to be a little others. It's all it's all Shut up! Uh, stop! <laughs> all right? I'm talking now. You had your chance. It's over. It's my time. Moniz? No, it's my time. You, you can talk. <laughs> just don't say anything that will make me angry. Okay. Why, well, are you going to turn green on us? You won't like me when I'm angry. <laughs> all right. Thank you, Snuzz, for uh, picking up something out of the Metro UK. The uh, ghost of a girl is blamed for a spate of crashes. The ghostly apparition of a girl is being blamed for a series of crashes on a stretch of country road. Spooky sightings of a girl aged about five in a Victorian dress have, have been seen on a road in the West Midlands and are now being investigated by paranormal researchers. The late-night visions are occurring along Old Nile Road in Halswin near Birmingham and are believed to be responsible for a number of crashes and near misses in the area in recent years. David Taylor, chairman of Parasearch Group, which has been investigating the claim, said he had not found a rational explanation so far. He added, although people 
who have reported the sighting did not actually crash. They were close to it because they had to swerve around the apparition and up onto the pavement. It could be an optical illusion of some sort. The area around there is an accidental black spot. There have been some series of incidents. Some may be that they have all had the same thing. These people are going to learn how to write. They're English. They invented the language. Yeah, well, you'd think they would learn how to write. Stop it! Read! <laughs> Mr. Taylor has been investigating the claims of paranormal activity for 22 years. He said, most of the time there is a logical explanation, but so far I haven't found one for this case. Resident Jimmy Land, 54, said, we have quite a few incidents on the road. I don't, wouldn't be surprised if this ghostly figure has something to do with it. It is seen a bit of an accidental black spot around these parts, and maybe now we know why. A West Midlands police spokesman said the most recent incidents included a crash involving a motorbike and a car in November. Last July, a woman was taken to the hospital after a collision on the same stretch of road. So it sounds almost like their version of the red-headed hitchhiker, Route 44. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. So uh, there you have it, the week and weird for this week. And uh, why don't we uh, why don't we give away a pair of those Indiana Jones tickets right now, Matt? Does that sound good to you? Yeah. All right, I did see the movie. I went and saw it yesterday, and I said, you know, I went into it not really expecting, you know, the the second coming of Raiders of the Lost Ark. I knew that time had passed, and uh, kind of the theory behind it might be, you know, it's at least it's an Indiana Jones movie. It doesn't have to be great, and uh, it wasn't. It was good. It was very paranormally themed and I'll, I'll leave it at that um, now Matt we talked about this last week but the original plan George Lucas has was was to call it Indiana Jones and the attack of the saucer men from Mars yep. and it was going to be Indy battling aliens I'm not going to say too much about the plot but I will say that there is a, a heavy alien influence on the storyline and so if uh, if that's your cup of tea and I know that that's the cup of tea of our of our audience because we are spooky south coast that's what we do here so I know that you would love to see the film. So we would like to give away a pair of tickets right now, and we'll give away another pair later on. But if you would like to see Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull for free, all you have to do is answer a couple quick Indiana Jones trivia questions. Now, uh, this is the Flagship Cinemas in New Bedford, so you have to make sure that you live locally in the area here. Flagship Cinemas also wants you to know about their special event coming up, the Captain's Comedy Lounge, June 14th at 8 p.m. and 10 p.m., uh, featuring headliner Tim Kalin and Aaron Sear. Tickets are on sale. You can go to the theater box office. They're $10 a person in advance or $12 a person at the door. For reservations, call 508-944-1143. Keep in mind, this will be a rated R event. Uh, for more information, you can go to flagshipcinemas.com. They are located at the Fieldstone Marketplace, 500 Kings Highway, New Bedford, Mass. And if you want to call and find out when Indiana Jones is playing, 508 985 3,000. So let's go to the, the phone line here, and uh, we'll throw out the first question. Everybody knows Indiana Jones as Indiana Jones, but what is his actual character name? They named the dog Indiana, right, Matt? So let's see if this person can answer that question. Hi, welcome to Spooky South Coast. Do you have an answer for us? Hello? He's Googling it right now. All right, if you have an answer to the question, what is Indiana Jones' first name? What is his full name? 
508-291-0500, and you will win a pair of tickets to see Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. You're on Spooky South Coast. How you doing? Do you have an answer for Jones us? Jr. I'm sorry? Hen- uh, Hen- Henry Jones. You got it. Father. Thank and, you. All right. Well, hang on, and uh, what we'll do is we'll take down all your information during the commercial break. Okay, great. Thanks. It's always great to have winners here on Spooky South Coast. Well, I love giving stuff away. We should do it more often. I think next week we'll give away your motorcycle, Matt. I don't think so. All right, why don't we take that commercial break, and when we come back, we will talk more with Alexandra Holzer, author of Growing Up Haunted, and we'll also have another pair of Indiana Jones tickets a little bit later on. All right, stay tuned. We'll be right back here on Spooky South Coast. It blew books off shelves from 20 feet away and scared the socks off some poor librarian. Turn on all your lights, lock the doors, and pull down the shades. Spooky South Coast is back. This looks extraordinarily bad. (laughs) I'll tell you who's bad. Mike from New Bedford. He's bad because he had the answer to that trivia question. Henry Jones Jr. So he won himself a pair of tickets to see Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. We'll have another pair to give away before the end of the show at 8 o'clock. So stay tuned. Uh, you can win those. And who knows? Maybe you'll take Matt Moniz or Matt Costa with you to see the movie because they haven't seen it yet. I haven't. And I know and that I you're broke. too cheap to buy a ticket. So. And I broke it. Yeah. So there you go. He, he makes a nice date, folks. He'll buy the popcorn as yeah. long as you want a small. <laughs> or if you'll get up and get the refills in the large and he doesn't have to get up. There you go. All right. Let's get back into the discussion with Alexandra Holzer, author of Growing Up Haunted. A ghostly memoir, the new book put out by Schiffer Publishing, and you know when I read the book, I, w- I was surprised, Alexandra, at, at just how autobiographical it was. I mean, I know it's a memoir, so obviously, you know, you're expecting that, but I thought it would be mostly about your dad, right? And but just to know what it was like growing up in the in the climate that you did, having him as a father, and having, you know, your mom being who she was, and I, I don't want to mispronounce her last name incorrectly. How do, how do you say it? It's Buckshoven. Oh, so I did have it right. All right. <laughs> but, you know, you basically, you have a ghost hunter for a father and a countess for a mother. Why don't you just yeah. explain to people, you know, how they came together and what kind of family that created? Right. Um, well, my father, obviously, he was in Manhattan. Um, and, um, you know, this was after the, the war and everything. And he he had migrated down there. He started to make a niche for himself. And um, he was dating a woman. Um, who was uh, my aunt at the time. Well, you know, not at the time, but she, she became my aunt. Uh, my aunt Rosemary dated my father. Um, she had brought him to this fancy, swanky club in Manhattan called the Kit Kat Club. And um, my mother and my aunt had worked there. They were, they were performers. They made their own costumes. They kind of were the creatives, whatever. And so she introduces my father to my mother at the Kit Kat Club, and my, my aunt says to my mother, you know, I think you fare better ba- dating Hans than I would. I think you two would be better for each other. So that's how my parents met, and they ended up um, hitting it off. And, and my mother's love for art and having the curiosity for the unknown. And my father, who was 20 years older than my mother, became like a father figure to her in a way because she lost her father when she was eight who happened to be the Count of Russia who was who in relation to uh, Catherine the Great which is where my mother comes from and you know her great aunt going a grand uh, I think it was seven or eight greats back is related to Catherine the Great so that's where that comes from that bloodline and she met my father and he's 20 years older than her and they hit it off so um, 
they they got married they had my sister and my mother was doing haunted artwork she would be painting these houses that my father would investigate and they weren't just people's homes they would be castles they would be um you know historical sites and so she would paint her art and then she would exhibit it in manhattan and she would she became the artist that she always was except it was in the realm of the paranormal which back then was they they broke ground i have to tell you and there's in that book as you know there's articles of real articles written up on both my parents about how this was like the newest thing haunted artwork the ghostwriter so to speak so well i mean it it seems like you know that also opens a lot of doors uh, where it wouldn't normally. I mean, to be able to bring that into the art world. Yeah. And, and I mean, I'm not making generalizations here about artists, but for the most part, right. they're they're pretty free thinking, open minded people. Yep. Absolutely. And so you're able to you know generate the discussion in that theater of uh, opportunity, and you know, and obviously what your father did in books. I mean, they really were like you said, making the paranormal normal to to the people who ran in the same circles as them. Correct. Yeah, it was, you know, and, and the funny thing is my mother and I have diverted back um, on the same path that she was with my father. She got back into her artwork. Her partner had encouraged her. She was in a horrible relationship, and she met another person, and they just, you know, this, this woman really saw my mother's art and said, oh, my gosh, you need to do this again. And so she she helped her get back into it, um, and you, we all have to work full-time kind of thing, and so my mother, who lives out, on the eastern end of Long Island, which is a very prestigious place to live. It's very expensive. It's very she-she. And um, she started to get back into it. And recently, we exhibited as mother and daughter at a very well-known gallery in Sag Harbor, Long Island, called Romney Clamoris, where you know, the likes of Alec Baldwin frequent in private and quietly. And we started to work together as her. She was showing her art, not just haunted art, but other pieces of art that was very spiritual and very peaceful. And I had the book signing. So here I am doing stuff with my father that's now crossing over into what he did with my mother when they were together that I'm now doing with her. So it's interesting how things end up. Yeah, one of my favorite stories about your father, for somebody who, like I said earlier, you know, I don't really see eye to eye to him so much in a lot of his techniques uh, right, right. for investigation. I mean, I'm, I'm starting to see where he's coming from, but one story that struck me, and it just it really gives a human portrayal of, of who your father is, and it's something I can associate with, is his uh, his love of the flea market. <laughs> the flea market king chapter. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that was, and, I, and again, you know, I like, I've coined myself the first paracomedian because it's the funniest thing. I mean, he, what people don't understand is he's a history buff. He was into, um, you know, just all sorts of, of, you know, things where artifacts come from and knowing the dates. And he had a coin collection that had all sorts of pieces from all sorts of uh, places in the world. And he, he was just a history buff. He's very intelligent. He's got all his degrees, his alphabet soup degrees, and, you know, he was a professor. So when we would go on Sundays in Manhattan to this, um, what, what was turned into from a basketball court into a flea market where the tables were set up and you don't know what characters you're going to run across. He was like that. That was like, you know, um, the glean in his eye was like he was on a mission. He was on a quest. He was on a quest to find, you know, second Ming Dynasty vases that the fool at the table with the third eye didn't know for $2. They were selling something that was priceless. That was our Sundays. <laughs> And, of course, like myself, never taking the first price that is asked. No, no. He bargained. He bargained way down. I mean, it was frightening. It was so frightening. I mean, I hid behind him. I mean, he was just like, Madam, 
I know what this is. This mask is definitely not worth $15. I'll give you 10 10 it is, or it's nothing. I mean, it was just he was the master. And so that's what became the museum that we grew up in, was the walls filled with these artifacts that he got mostly from that flea market in Manhattan on the Upper West Side. Now, did any of these objects that he brought home ever carry with them any attached entities or any I think they did. And my grandmother, my mother's mother, who is French, who still talks like this, she's 97 years old, darling, she is very intuitive. Her sister used to hear furniture creak in the hallway during the war when they moved around, the First World War, I remind you, out in, in Europe before they came over, and they were moved around. They would hear things, and her sister would say, Oh, my God, did you heal that? Furniture creaking, like literally for no reason. It wasn't like bombings were going on. It wasn't. It was just furniture creaking. They could hear things move, mm -hmm. and it was mostly her sister. And my grandmother would have people sitting on her all the time, people that she knew that passed came back and sat on the poor woman. Can you imagine <laughs> the nerve of the dead? They need to just go off and enjoy. So um, she would stay over at that apartment and, and you know, help out with us. And I was very close to her because I was the younger one. And she would look at the wall of masks in the living room where we would fold out the bed for her to stay in. And she would hold me tight next to her because I had to stay with her. And she says, they'll use these things and these masks, darling. And if you don't go to sleep, they're going to come out and get you. You must behave, you know. So it was just, <laughs> I sat there and I was petrified at these masks that my father brought home from God knows where. And I stared at them. And there were times that during the daytime, I would walk by in that living room and I'd watch TV and I felt things watching me. And I didn't understand why. And I think he had some things in that apartment that he didn't even know what hand touched it and where it came from. Mm -hmm. And it's like very risky. And I always felt like I think things do attach themselves to objects. And when they're moved around, the previous owner might be a little pissed and follow the table to the next location and say, hey, excuse me, I want this back. Well, I mean, there's there's plenty of cases where, you know, when people have something as a profession, uh, they kind of become dulled to it. Is it possible that, you know, there were entities that passed in and out of your house and your dad just, you know, to him it was so common he didn't yeah. even think about it? it that, that's why I was saying it was so normal. Oh, yeah, there was, there, I mean, he, he, he stuck on the whole thing about ghosts don't travel, but there are situations where there are things that follow people like entities like that my one of my most favorite films and it's horrible to say favorite because it was based on a true story out in california was the uh, entity mm -hmm. where the woman's uh ex-boyfriend who was this violent man who was a motorcyclist not that that means anything but that he was just very you know road rage very angry kind of guy he got killed on his bike and several years later she was pregnant by him he never knew she has this this teenage son all of a sudden things start happening to her in this home She's being attacked, and it turns out to be the ex-boyfriend. And he's following her. He follows her in the car. He almost gets her killed. He, he, he puts his bruises and marks on her body. He's got little helpers around to keep her still so that he can, you know, do things with her. I mean, and this is based on a true story. So I, my father says that, and then knowing how we grew up and, and seeing these films and stuff, he does believe things do move around, but it's not typical when there is a haunting and there is a very sad situation of a ghost who can't leave because of how they passed and they're stuck, um, they don't tend to move from that spot. It's, that's not more the norm. And so, and having said that, he never really felt that there were things that would come home and follow him. 
but I think there were. And maybe at that time there was also those around us that were there because they were supposed to be there, you know, your guides and, and people just popping in and saying, hey, look, she's grown two inches, you know? Sure. But I do. I think things do attach to things, and they can't let it go. And if they, if let's say they died horribly, and that's their piece of furniture, and now you own it, you know, there was there was a story, and I can't remember what show it aired on, and I want to say this was like years ago. This family bought this used bunk bed for their children, mm-hmm. and I think after the the first night, the kids slept in it. It was a beautiful bunk bed, beautiful wood, handcrafted. The 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 bed started shaking. And things started happening, and this was on one of those those episodes that might have been on the History Channel or something, which is like these docu docu mini series. And the parents were like, they they couldn't understand what was happening. Ever since they got that bunk bed, and they don't know where the bunk bed came from, they bought it at a at a sale, at a, you know somebody's front lawn. Sure, I I buy things all the time and worry about that type of thing. Well, stop doing it. <laughs> I can't. They they have high turnover value on eBay. People don't ah, know what they're putting out there, man. I, curses, I, eBay. I totally agree with your dad. You know, people are putting out things that are worth way more than they know the value of. It's true. You really, I mean, oh, my gosh. Well, there, there's a show based on that where you, you, I don't know if it's still on. I don't know if you remember that, where the, the person would come out, and there's, there's they're like an auctioneer kind of person, and they know the value of something, oh, sure. and they'll tell you, these plates are rare because they're worth. And, and I'll tell you something. Uh, you know, we've built a, a a mobile studio based out of a lot of equipment purchased at yard sales. So wow. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Well, I mean, you're just gonna make do with what you have. I know you do. You absolutely. And listen, if parts of it are haunted, so be it. Exactly. It just adds to the flavor of the show. Yes. All right. Well, we have to take our last commercial break. But uh, Alexandra, you did have an Indiana Jones trivia question to to ask for the listeners to win a I pair do. of tickets. I do. Now, I don't remember the exact scene, but in the original film, um, Indiana Jones is riding on the horse. I believe he's chasing a train. And I wanted to ask the listeners how, what they think is how he kept on his hat while he was riding in that scene because there was a lot of wind and he was going very fast and his hat kept flying off. What did he do to keep the hat on? There you go. So what technique did he use? Give us a call, 508-996-0500. 508-291-0500, even if you have to give it a guess, and uh, you will win a pair of tickets to see Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull at Flagship Cinemas in New Bedford. Remember, go to their website, flagshipcinemas.com, to find out about their upcoming comedy night. All right, well, let's take a break, and we'll see if somebody wants to call in to win those tickets, and we'll be right back here on Spooky South Coast. <laughs> Welcome back to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin Matt Costa and science advisor Matt Moniz. And our guest this evening is Alexandra Holzer, author of Growing Up Haunted, a ghostly memoir. And you can check out her website, hauntingholzer, H-O-L-Z-E-R.com, and you can find out all about uh, what she's up to. Now, I noticed that you write uh, some columns, too, uh, Alexandra. Is, and where can people read these? Uh, are they monthly? They are. It's, um, I write it every month. It's called, I developed it called Spirit Talk. Um, and it's, uh, on ufodigest.com, alienseekernews.com, and, um, the Paranormal Awareness Society, um, that's out in Florida also has their own newsletter, but you have to subscribe to that. There's like a few thousand people that have that as well. And I started it with them, and they came up with the idea of doing a column, a monthly column. 
And they said, yes, we'd love to have you. So that's, it kind of spiraled and has been picked up at other places now. And I'm starting a new one for AsylumCam.com in the summer called Ask Alex. So I'll, it's not so much pressure to come up with uh, new ways of, of, you know, explaining things every month and, and doing my anecdotal ways of writing that I do. It's more like people finally coming out and asking questions. And I can, you know, while we still have my father, maybe filter some to him as well and kind of go back and forth and tag team and, and really give them, you know, piece of him while they have him because he's not going to be around forever. So, well, yeah. I, I know you mentioned UFO Digest. I mean, do you write about all things paranormal? I do. I actually, I just submitted for, for um, the June article as well is on flying humanoids. It's a very interesting article that's going to come out um, and my take on, on the beginnings of that and, and how frightening is that. I, not that I'm moving away from the whole thing with ghosts and what a ghost is and a spirit and what orbs really are. It, mm -hmm. You know, it just to me it's like, that's the easy stuff. With the hard stuff is what we really have a harder time proving and understanding is what's not in our reach and, and in outer space and below our ocean beds. And that's really where I'm headed. And, you know, I, I'm into, you know, cryptology and all that. And I'm, I'm definitely roundabout kind of a gal. So we'll, we'll see. You I mean, want me to help guide you around? I'm going to need your help. Thank you. <laughs> I'll take all the help I can get. I love being educated. I, I never claim I know everything. I never will. So, yes, please. I'll do what I can to help you. you Thank you, you. You got my email and stuff like that. Give me give me a few rings. I'll, I'll point you in the right direction. Okay, cool. Yeah, well, on Haunting Holzer, it has on their bio the contact. It has my email. If you can shoot me your email, and then I can keep that, and then I can shoot questions to you. That would be awesome. Sure. Anytime. We'll hook that all up. Thank you. Um, but, you know, your father diversified, too. He didn't, not every one of his no, books that he yeah. wrote are about ghosts either, so. No, um, I'll t witches, uh, the euphonauts, that was something. And I, I don't know if they're reprinting that. Um, I'm, I was trying to get that going. Um, Barnes & Nobles is his hugest um, distributor, and they've reprinted over 20 books. I think we're up to maybe 30 now out of 146 he's published, and that, that's pretty phenomenal. Um, you know, he's written on, he wrote a book on westerns. He's written poetry. Um, he started off writing off, off, off Broadway musicals. His calling wasn't to go in and to write about the unknown. So he has covered the gamut. You know, he hasn't done Bigfoot or Nessie. And I think if you ask him today, he'd go, "Ha! That's that's funny. What do you? What else you got for me? You know?" Um, well, I was going to ask you: Has anybody ever produced one of his plays that he's written? Ah, uh, no. And I and we have all that material. And I had one family contact me through UFOdigest.com. They couldn't believe they found me. They thought I was my father. I said, No, 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 I'm the daughter. And he written um, he had written a play he was commissioned for in the 1950s for the Bustanabe family, which is a family of French immigrants who created what nightlife became in New York on Broadway. They created that. They were restauranteurs and. Um, so uh, they commissioned him to write this musical that he called Mr. Broadway, which has now a second title. And they wanted to get that going. And I think the, the niece or the granddaughter had been trying to get this going and didn't realize my father was still alive and, and did he still have it. So we were working on that. That kind of faded out because we were trying to get people in Hollywood to pay attention. And you know how that goes. That was kind of hard. So maybe if I can have a stepping stone one day and become well, know, you know, well known enough, I can get that stuff that, you know, even if he passes, that he'll still know. He'll be here. He'll watch. That well, will get that going for him. And, and that's exactly, you know, what we want people to understand that you're doing here. You're just, 
you're you're continuing the Holzer legacy. Yeah. You know, you're you're stepping in. You're going to add your own twist, your own bent to it. But you're going to make sure that there is at least you know one family that's going to make sure that they keep following what goes on. Yeah. Is this something you'd like to see your own kids get into? Maybe somewhere down the line. Yeah, my oldest uh, daughter is a phenomenal writer, and I'm not just saying that because I'm a mother and the typical. <laughs> I hate I hate being that way. I don't believe in that. I think that you need to be very honest and open and critical with your children. She's just really good. Uh, my second one is like two years ahead of, of her um, grade, and so she's a challenge because she's more scientific. And so um, there, there is that interest. I mean, they're very artistic, they're very literate, and they're very interested that Grandpa Hans wrote about ghosts, and that's like the main catch. I mean, witches are like, ooh, that's interesting. But it's mainly with the ghosts, and you see these, these apparitions or these haunted houses on the book covers, and... They're very drawn into that because they have those questions because they're very they're very open and honest. And I say, well, listen, I'm going to pave that path for you. I'm going to become well-known enough to give you that opportunity in life and give you the chances and let you go with it. And if it doesn't work and you want to change paths, that's okay, too. I'll support you just as long as you do the right thing, you don't hurt anybody, and you don't get hurt and that you remain healthy. That's the key. Well, well, so. well said. All right, well, we thank you, Alexandra, for joining us. Uh, her book is Growing Up Haunted, a ghostly memoir, the, just one of her many writings on the paranormal. You can check them all out at hauntingholzer.com. We'll link it up to spookysouthcoast.com as well. Uh, thank you for joining us, and definitely stay in touch with us in the future, and, and we I look will. forward to speaking with you again sometime. Thank you, and thanks for having me, guys, and uh, always be well and happy. You too, and, and give our best to your dad. I will. Thank you so much. Have a great night. You too. Thank you. All right, so uh, that does it for this week's episode. we got Celtics basketball coming up uh, in just a few minutes here on WBSM. Uh, and then next week, I think next week we're going to be on after the Red Sox is the plan. I mean, just mathematically work it out in my head. Yes, yeah, Celtics play game six on Friday. Okay, so, yeah, we'll definitely be here on next Saturday night after the Red Sox game. If there's ever any changes, just stay tuned to SpookySouthCoast.com. Uh, right in the little bottom right-hand corner, you'll get all the information that you need there. And if you ever miss a show, you can download it right there. All right, that does it for this week. So from Matt Costa, from Matt Moniz, I'm Tim Weisberg. We want you all to stay spooktacular. Rest assured, listener, that my time here has not been easy, and what you have just heard was not fiction. Although... In many a desperate moment, I most certainly wish it had been. It's over for now, it seems. Or at least, until yesterday begins again. Tomorrow, 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 tomorrow. I've got another supernaturalist.